that very short clip you heard was Shayna White, powerlifting. Um, two things. So Shayna is a, a well-known uh, educator, especially on social media, who uh, deals with a lot of the really tough issues of our time and appreciate her push and uh, fight for, for, uh, for justice for all. And secondly, she's a power lifter. And I know this because I follow her on Instagram and I've seen her um, in, in some of her preparations. And of course, just like so many of my other guests, I don't know a lot about this uh, passion, but I think it's fascinating that, that here's an extremely physical sport combined with her um, love and passion as an educator. And, and I think that's an interesting combination. And so in today's conversation, we pursue how she how she found her way into powerlifting and, and why she loves it. And, um, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Shana White. So really quick, um, I had a mishap with this recording in terms of uh, overwriting it. It's a long story, very boring. The, the, the good news is I was re- able to recover um, about 90% of the recording. But what gets cut off right at the very end is Shana uh, expounding a little bit more on how powerlifting uh, connects to uh, education. She does mention the one most important thing she talks about, and you'll hear it at the end. So I won't, I won't spoil that for you, but just warning that it kind of cuts off a little quicker than I'd like. But at any rate, you'll enjoy the conversation as it is. Uh, welcome, folks. Uh, this is my this is episode nine of Outside the Classroom, and uh, I am very, very excited to have uh, Shana White join me from the state of Georgia. I get confused because I know Shana is actually not always a uh, Georgia fan when it comes to sports. I know she's a big Ravens fan, so I th- that's where like, I, I had, because I think I made the mistake one time of assuming she was a Falcons fan, and I got, <laughs> I, got, I got told that's not true. But I know she is from Georgia, and I've had the privilege of uh, well, actually, I'm going to start, before I do anything more than that, I'm going to stop and I'm going to get you just to introduce yourself from, uh, like, here's who I am as, like, this professional person, as well as um, how how you know me, so how okay. you think, how we're connected. All right. Okay. All right. Um, I'm Shana V. White. As Dean said, I'm in Georgia. I'm the native of Atlanta, so I've lived here pretty much all my life except for college. Um, professionally right now, I actually work for the K4 Center under the leadership of Dr. Allison Scott. Um, and we're basically trying to make computer science more accessible and equitable for all students. And I know Dean from, I think the very first uh, summer institute that I went to in San Diego. I think I met you that first time then. Um, and I got connected with you through Discovery Education, um, Kelly Hines, uh, Janita, et cetera. Um, and I've seen you speak. Um, I think I've spoken at events when you've spoken. So um, that, and then I think there's a lot of times that you have some nice little um, comments on Twitter that I usually try to find time to respond to um, because I'm a big Twitter person as well. Uh, So, and I like the fact that you bring up questions um, for our profession um, that sometimes people don't necessarily think about or reflect on. Um, and it gets good discussion going on Twitter. Um, so that's how I know you. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that, w- that was kind of how I would have placed it too. And again, uh, for those people who don't know Shana, Shana is uh, a very, very powerful voice on Twitter. Uh, 
she's not afraid to mix it up. Let's just say that she is not afraid of that. And she just definitely pushes my thinking and I need people like her in my world. And so, but we're not here to talk about Twitter today. We're talking about something else. So as well as following Shane on Twitter, I also follow Shane on Instagram. And when I started following her on Instagram, I saw this, uh, this woman doing all kinds of making all kinds of noises and, and whatnot, <laughs> lifting very heavy things. So I, I think the correct term is power lifting. Yes. Are there synonyms to that? Why why do I, why have I said deadlifting? Is that not right? Did I just make up that word or is that no, an actual deadlifting is an actual lift in powerlifting? It's a so specific kind it's of a lift. specific lift in powerlifting. So powerlifting is three lifts. It's a squat. It's a bench press and a deadlift. So when you compete in powerlifting, those three lifts have to be completed. And this is the this is the Olympic sport that I know vaguely that I see once every four years where they just lift as much. Is that is this what this is? No, that that's what a lot of people. This get is not confused. it. That's okay. weight. That's weightlifting, and so weightlifting just... has two lifts called a snatch, and that's the one where you see them lift the bar in one motion right. completely above their head. And then they have a, a jerk, a clean and jerk, where they bring it to their shoulders yes. and then they push it up above head. So that's an Olympic sport. Powerlifting is not an Olympic sport. They're trying really? to, okay. yeah, they're, they've been trying to deal with it before COVID. Um, but because powerlifting is so segmented, because you have um, so many different federations um, in the United States and in the world, and then you have like untested and people that are taking like enhancing drugs. Right the olympics doesn't want to get mixed into that because they are afraid people who are taking drugs would sneak into an olympic competition and then that would kind of change uh, the whole thing which again just to just to share my low level ignorance all i can think of is the saturday night live skit with hans and franz where they did oh. the uh, all drug olympics where their right. arms came out of the, that's right probably probably not the best way to advocate for this sport um so Here's the question. How in the world did you get into powerlifting? Great question. Um, so I have a really good friend. Her name is Gina Benton. And uh, she actually worked with her when I was working on my master's at Winthrop University in South Carolina. And I worked part time during my master's program at the YMCA as a trainer. And she kept telling me, you have the bill to be a powerlifter. And I was just like, I don't think so. Like, because at that time, powerlifting wasn't as big as it's become now. And I was like, I'm not sure. And Gina is like a powerhouse. She was about 5'2", um, about 130, and she could bench close to like 250 pounds. So she was a legit competitor um, in powerlifting at that time. And so she just constantly kept harping on me about it over a couple of years. And then back in 2014, um, She's like, sign up for me. Like, just don't think about it. Just sign up for me. And um, I was like, are you sure? You know, like my, my son at that point was like one and a half. I was like, I'm still kind of a new mom for the second time. Like, are you sure? She's like, no, this is when you need to do it. And so I basically was just lifting in LA Fitness. Um, and I would send her videos of my lifts. And I was like, does this like, is this going to work? And she's like, yep, you're good to go. And I signed up for my first meet. Um, I went and competed. I broke um, the state record for the deadlift in my very first meet. Um, I lifted 330, and I wasn't planning on it. I was planning on only deadlifting 300 pounds. Um, but, I, but the people at the meet who I am friends with now, 
they all encouraged me to up my weight because they were like, those are too easy for you. Like deadlift is your lift. You need to go and more. Um, and then my soon to be coach was at the meet uh, working as a referee. And he was like, are you interested in like training and being serious? Because you're probably like one of the best natural powerlifting athletes I've ever seen. Um, and I think you can be really good. And I was like, sure. I was like, where's the training? And he's like, oh, we, we're in a powerlifting gym that's literally 0.1 miles from my house. And so I was like, sure, that's convenient. I literally can probably wow. walk there every day to lift. Um, and I started working with him. His name is Josh Rohr um, and lifted really competitively for about three years. Um, competed at the Arnold Sports Festival, got second there, uh, was ranked in the world at one point. Um, I think I was like ranked 66 in the world um, across all weight classes. So I actually did do very, very well. And then I just kind of was like, school is just too cumbersome. And I want to be there for my kids because powerlifting does take time. Um, and so I took like a retired break, but I'm back at it now. So. Wow. That, I mean, that seemed like the way you, I mean, the way you described it, that, that happened pretty quickly, like from mm -hmm. like zero to like, now I'm competing and now mm -hmm. I'm a world ranked, uh, power lifter. Like what, like, just give me a sense of like that sort of from the first time you actually did it to now I'm competing. Like what was that time span? Um, well, I think it helped because I played basketball in college. So I was used to lifting weights and understood it. And I think right. also because I was a right. certified trainer, I was used to it. Um, and so I was already working out. Um, I would, my husband and I are very big workout advocates and I would go and take spin class and then go lift weights afterwards. Like that was just kind of like our routine or I'd go right. play pickup basketball. So I was always physically active, um, but I never like specified like powerlifting lifts until my friend Gina was like, you need to train for me. Here is a program. And she kind of just gave me like a program off the, that she'd used before um, that basically had me lifting four days a week. Um, I would only deadlift once a week. I would squat um, once a week and I would bench press twice a week um, and then do a lot of other accessory lifts. And then once I competed, my coach, Josh, um, who took over, he wrote a program. I would meet with him once a week. Um, he would give me critiques about my lifts, et cetera. Um, and then I just kind of like worked with him for two or three years. And they, they, a lot of people say in powerlifting, the first like couple years, you'll see like exponential growth as far as in your lifts. And then it gets hard. And I think right when I retired was right when it was getting hard. Like I was still trying to break the like 400 squat plateau, or I was trying to break like the over 500 deadlift plateau. And I, I had, was close, but I hadn't gotten there. And so I think like that kind of also um, caused me to be like, maybe I need to retire and take a step back too, because it's starting to get hard now. But I realized with powerlifting, like now that I'm back doing it, it's like, it's something that if you're born to do it or you have the physical nature to do it, it's something that you easily pick back up because like now I hadn't lifted since COVID. Um, and I went back to the gym uh, that I train at in March um, and, I was able to bench press like 140, like for three sets of six. Um, and I haven't lifted in a year. So it's not like I've lost that much strength. My max bench right now was 220. So it's not like I've lost like tremendous amount of strength. Um, I was right. able to deadlift last week, like 355 um, without a belt, which makes a big difference. Um, and mm -hmm. so like, I haven't lost a lot of my strength. I still have to like clean up things about my technique and everything. But I think 
once you've done it for an extended period of time, it's not something you lose. So I think me starting with my coach and having proper training was huge for me making that growth. And I think that's also huge for me being able to just jump back in right now. Is it, is it always about the competition or are, do people power lift as, I don't want to say casual, but like, just because like I do it, whether I compete or not, I just like doing it. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, I did when I took that break from competitive lifting, um, after the Arnold, um, and that was in 2015. Um, I took a break, um, completely. I would still go to the gym and do all the lifts. My coach gave me like a program that basically was because programs are built to basically get you to hit your peak at the right time, right before the meet. So he gave me a program that had no peaking involved. It was just basically mundane lifting, but it was involving in the power lifts, um, and the accessories. So I, I did that all the way up until COVID. And then when COVID hit, I didn't step foot in the gym, um, all last year. And then when I came back this year, my coach was like, I really think you should get back into it. And I was like, I'll think about it. And so I started going to the gym in March. Um, and I've been going ever since. Um, and he's going to start my like official programming started in the fall. Is there like, um, are there weight classes? Like yeah. somebody that's really small, like weighs, yeah. you know, I'm thinking of somebody that weighs 110 pounds. Right. Can they do yeah. So is that how it's categorized? Yeah, then? It's, Just it's like categorized by weight um, and gender. So uh, they go all the way up on the women's side to 84. Everything's in kilos. So 84 right. kilos. So that's somebody over 185 pounds. Um, and they go all the way down to 47 kilos. Um, oh, wow. So they have a full spectrum of weight classes um, on both the women and the men's side. So people just compete in their classes and then. They also have in the USAPL, which is the biggest federation um, for drug-free lifting in um, the United States. They also have a master's category and teen category. So like master's one is somebody who's between the ages of 40 and 42. And then master's two is 43 to 46. And then it goes up. So like there's like this week, the, this week right now is nationals. It's going on in Daytona Beach, Florida. Um, and one lady, her name is, uh, Suzanne Garrett. She has won national titles. I think like she won, just won her 12th today and she's in a master's, I think she's a master's four lifter now. Um, so she's been doing it that long, like to where she's been doing this for almost like 15 years. Um, and she's just progressed up the ranks, um, through all the categories that exist. And she's only like, I think the, in the 52 kilo class, so she's a real small, tiny woman. But I was like, I was going to ask you, like, how how old do do people? I mean, obviously, it's yeah. always dependent on like your back and your right. physical, you know. But like, what's sort of the oldest that you can imagine? Um, the the oldest on? that I've I've actually seen in a meat lift is ninety years old. Um, wow! So people are still, and that was a woman. Um, so people are still doing it. I would say competitively, I would say most people stop in their fifties. Um, yeah. and then they get into coaching at that point, but I have yeah. seen, like I said, I saw a 90 year old woman, she was deadlifting in a meet before. So, so I like, I, cause I'm always curious about like, cause I'm a big advocate for like, let's teach kids sports and things that they can do mm -hmm. for a lifetime. So while right. playing, learning to play football is fine and good, that's not a sport for a lifetime. I mean, that's right. why as a golfer, that's kind of my 
my pitch around like this is something you can play like my dad's 89 years old and still plays like so I, i'm always curious about sports that have that longevity uh and especially ones that require such physical uh intensity so next question i had for you mm -hmm. was like i think of of this uh, of powerlifting as a pretty solitary pursuit it's mm -hmm. you and you might have a but but you kind of touched on a little bit of, of sort of the social component community around this one. Like talk to me a bit. Do you see this as like this is just Shayna? It's my like alone time. I love doing it. It's just my getaway from everything. And or is there some sort of a social like there's a connected, there's a community, there's others that I that I sort of rally around with this sport? Um, it's a little of both. And I think that's what makes it great um, for me you probably know I'm like a major introvert. So that's the part of powerlifting that I like is the solitude that is just me in the bar. Um, a lot of times I use powerlifting as a stress relief because I think of maybe somebody I'm mad at, could be on Twitter, could be in real life. And I just squat them or I just deadlift them or I just bench press them to kind of release my anger. Um, so it does have that solitude aspect, but on Instagram, um, if you went and looked at my follower list, most of the people that I follow are people that I know from the powerlifting community. Um, they still encourage me to get back into powerlifting, um, even though I wasn't doing it for so long. I've had co like other coaches from other states say, are you going to lift again? That type of stuff. Like they post their lifts and I always, you know, congratulate them or commend them on continuing going. So there is a community. Um, it's very tight knit. Um, it sometimes gets political uh, just because people are now getting into powerlifting the, the size of powerlifting like community has grown so much that people are breaking records like left and right where some mm. records have never been touched and so i think it gets kind of like nitpicky and political because people don't want some of these long-lasting records to get broken but i always tell people i was like when new people come and they're just as good or not better like we need to celebrate them just like we would celebrate the person right. who first broke the record so um that part is just kind of interesting um, I would say the one other thing that it's very interesting about the community, um, it's not very like racially diverse, um, but it is very socioeconomically diverse. And that's the part that is very interesting to me because there are some people like there's a guy who actually trains at the gym that I'm at um, and he talks about he lived in Minnesota and he talked about like he would literally go to the um, food pantry where he lived because he couldn't afford to eat but he was literally like a world champion in powerlifting. Hmm. Um, but then I have people that are making millions of dollars because they've had a company and that type of stuff. So to see sure, the sure. like gap, like you see in society, as far as socioeconomically, you can see that in powerlifting. I would say powerlifting has gotten a lot more black people involved um, as of like the last maybe three or four years. But like, I don't see a lot of Latinx individuals um, in powerlifting. Um, and the one thing that has also also been a point of contention is um, they don't allow women to wear the hijab. So it's caused some tension in the Muslim communities as well. Um, so the community is not like necessarily all welcoming as it should be. Um, but I would say the one big thing that it is diverse as far as socioeconomically. What would be your elevator pitch to somebody that says ah like i've seen this this kind of looks interesting like like and and almost like like how does it sort of feed your soul like that mm -hmm. I, i'm i'm looking for this emotional tie that sometimes is it's so it's, it's beyond this sort of physical act mm -hmm. that you're doing so so what's the elevator pitch that says uh, i saw this this looks interesting 
Um, I would just say the one thing for me, there's nothing like feeling strong, um, especially as a woman and especially as a lot of times in certain arenas, um, my strength is perceived as aggressiveness or attacking, et cetera. But in powerlifting, I'm allowed to release all of that um, and it's seen as a positive thing. Um, and right. so that's the one thing that I enjoy about powerlifting is being able to be strong and it's okay to be strong. Um, and you're applauded when you are strong. And having two kids, uh, mm. how do they see mom in this role? What's that sort of relationship or ob what observations are they making uh, to you? Um, they both were at my very first meet. Like I have a picture um, of me holding my winning medal uh, with my son with his pacifier in his mouth um, in my lap <laughs> and my daughter like hugging my neck. Um, so they've been there from the beginning. Um, my daughter actually traveled with me to a meet in North Carolina um, a few years ago that I won. Um, and she was just so ecstatic. Like my mom came with us. So my mom kind of watched her while I was lifting. Um, so they both, they enjoy it. They like that mommy is strong. Um, they sometimes want me not to go to the gym early in the morning. They'd rather me stay like in bed and like cuddle with them. Right. So that part is hard, but luckily they're both getting older. So now it's kind of like, okay, yeah, you can go mom. <laughs> it's not cool anymore. Just hang out with mommy, um, in the bed all right. day. So they they encourage me to lift um my daughter loves the fact that like i can lift a lot of weight um they in the beginning it was one of those things where like my husband and i would have kind of like a competition because my husband used to play football um so he's also a big time athlete um but once my powerlifting started going i actually started increasing my lifts um and not necessarily catching up in, with him in bench press because i could never catch up with him in bench press but like my squat was pretty strong and my deadlift was very strong and he was just like okay, I got to get to the gym because like, I'm, I'm not letting you beat me. So it gave a little competitive fire to our marriage sure. too, which was helpful. <laughs> um, but the kids love it. Um, they don't like me being at the gym for like long hours. And that's what powerlifting does require. Like you do have to lift for like an hour and a half um, in most cases. So now I've tried to condense my workouts um, so that I like maybe just add something to another day or whatever. Um, but for the most part, my family's pretty supportive. Uh, yeah, cool. I, I, I... I interviewed um, Andy Arnold, my first guest. She was uh, she's into roller derby, okay. And she talked about like it was really powerful. Like she talked about like this diverse community, like mm -hmm. women of all shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm. But she also talked about the fact that her daughter, I, I can't remember how old her daughter is, like she maybe eight or ten or something like that, mm -hmm. like is so proud of like don't you mess with my mom kind of right. thing, like and it's just <laughs> that kind. And she's a high school teacher, and just mm -hmm. it all spills off, and and sort of you know really sort of manifesting uh you know female empowerment right? right it's just this very you know visceral kind of kind of uh evidence Absolutely. of that so my last question uh -huh. and, and again the, the the answer can be none okay but but the answer might be more like how does powerlifting impact you as an educator like what sort of lessons or mindset or again the answer could be nothing it's a separate mm -hmm. thing but maybe there is so that's my question that's my last question to you yeah um i would say the one thing for me is commitment um to be a good power lifter there has to be a mental commitment part and i think to be a good educator you have to have the same 